Hey, this is Bob, and welcome to the latest episode of The Road to Racing, where we spend time talking about the profound and not-so-profound things of cycling, life, and everything in between. On the way to the race, during events, hanging out with friends, wherever we end up, you're along for the ride. So now that you're here, join us for interesting interviews, potentially bad advice, and the best tips I can give about making your own cutoffs. So, we're here with Josh Geisler in his van. Driving back from the Boise Twilight after an awesome trip and a great experience. Um, and we're gonna sit down. We're already sitting. We're yeah, sitting. we're already sitting. I know. We're I know. like four hours into this drive. Yeah. Right. I don't know. You've been asleep the whole time, so that's, I don't know how you'd know. That's true. Um, we're gonna talk to Josh. Get his feelings on some things. Thoughts, feelings. in the world of bike racing and the world of bikes for a while now. Maybe not necessarily racing all the time, but you've always been around it and been in it. Been around the block a time or two. Yeah, so how did you even get your foot in the door to to the whole bike racing bike world? Every superhero has an origin story. Yes, for sure. Uh, my uncle was a professional mountain biker. Like back in the day, like 1991, when like like when Neon first came out, <laughs> and uh, he was also like there's at the time there was like the road scene was coming along and there was beginning to be more money in road, so he switched and I think uh, I think I may have gone to some road races as a kid, like when I was five. I think I, we went to Snelling. Like I really remember being in a Honda hatchback going to Snelling. <laughs> But I, I don't know, I could have just made that memory up, but... Um, so yeah, it's something I've always known about, and um, I think uh, after high school, when I was just working, and kind of, I got kind of fit, and I was looking to stay fit, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a road bike, and uh, road, ride my road bike around, and like quit going to the gym, because who wants to be inside all the time? Uh, so I saved up some pennies, and bought a Trek, 1,000, maybe, and um, I rode it around, you know, no, like, spare tubes, no, you know, I was just so ignorant, yeah, no yeah. food, I think I was, like, I would drink water and, like, Diet Dr. Pepper. I mean, you, you have some good bonk stories, like, yeah. big-time bonk Yeah, when stories. you don't know, when you know nothing about nutrition, like, <laughs> like, you take, obviously, in, like, health class in high school, you learn about a little bit of nutrition, but... Sorry, the van has a speed alarm. Yeah, we're not... No need to bleep out profanities, um, the van will do it for you. The, the van um, doesn't like curse words. No, the van doesn't like... To, it can't go over 75 miles an hour because it used to be a pest control van. But you can't have chemicals and... Can't have chemicals and go 85. <laughs> the, the government frowns on that. So, <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, I had this bike and I was riding it and had you know no no nothing about. I, I'm pretty sure I could take the wheels out and change flats if I had a tube. Um, but I used to go on these awesome epic rides, just dis discovering new stuff, stuff I've never seen. But also, um, like I would ride hard and I would bonk 
did not know what was happening to me. Like, why did, why do I feel this way? And um, I'd have to like, yeah, you stop at a store and like put down a whole bag of chips and a Coke or whatever. And yeah, like I, I've mauled um, like grape vines before. Like, <laughs> I've been with you and you've done that. I've just been like, on Woodbridge Road. I remember Josh was so dead and he's just like, ah, just. <laughs> eating all the grapes. Well, that's when I, 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 did, I did have the knowledge then, but now it's just <laughs> the lack of preparation on my part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just got a bike and I uh, rode it, and then one day I rode with some dudes, because they, I thought they were like a race team, you know, and they were just like some old... Not really, yeah. <laughs> Anyways... I rode with some old dudes, and uh, I thought they were a race team or whatever, and I went and rode with them, and I I pretty much kicked their ass in, like, a small chain ring, because I didn't know about the, what the big one did, and, um, <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, you should try racing, I'm going to introduce you to this guy, his name's Bob Fuller, and, um, and I did a ride with him, it was a really cool, like, adventure ride, really, and uh, he's like, yeah, you're, you, should, you should race, and then I... I'm like, oh, I, I kind of know about that stuff because um, my uncle did it, and so I got in. Yeah, that's how I got into the bike thing yeah. by accident. <laughs> it's usually how people get into the bike thing. <laughs> it seems that way. No, and so being from NorCal, there's a million different races. Some great races have died out. Some new races have sprung up. But when you are a racer say your top three favorite races even to just spectate oh well that makes things different i can give you my top three favorite races to race okay yeah yeah yeah. and top three to spectate um the definitely top three is probably um early bird crit number five no i'm just (laughs) um i used to like um the murko road race uh what was it called? You know, it was, I don't it was even part of the stage the race, but you know, for the amateurs, it's just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The road race. Uh, yeah, the, I don't even. Murko. It was a. Yeah, it was the Murko road race. Oh. I mean, I don't remember really any other name. Yeah. Somebody will probably correct us at some point, but. I should know. I've been to. I've worked it. I've raced it. Yeah. I've, yeah. Um, but it's a. But you guys you probably know what I'm talking about. Well, on the. You know, the one that's part of the Snelling course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kidney corner to the Snelling course. It's exactly. some one road, you know. Um, but it's a great, it's almost, you know, like a northern classics kind of style. Rough roads. Right. And nasty crosswinds. Yeah, and when I was a racer, I thought I was super Bel- super Belgium. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I dug that race. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, you know, I was never a big crit guy. I always tried. But, you know, I don't know. I, I couldn't even name a crit that I like to race. Uh, I like uh, Winters. I thought Winters was, a, was an awesome winters road race. Winters is a pretty cool race, yeah. And um, I'm not sure why this is so hard. Maybe because I sucked at racing so bad, I'm trying to think. I don't like racing copper. That's <laughs> yeah, not, that's, the, that's, that's what I was going to say. Fun, Copperopolis. That's not a fun place. But I don't think it really anybody does, enjoys yeah, does that. Does anyone really like Copperopolis? The, right, and then... When you when you don't know how to race, but you're really strong, you just become you just start naming you calling yourself a, a time trial specialist. And uh, I mean, you love the Peltier time trial. I know it's not a you know race, you know per yeah. se, but 
You destroyed that all the time. I made it my goal to pass everybody who started. Yeah, like you you destroyed that. Every, yeah, I have. And For like sure. I, I remember you telling me your meticulous preparation for time trials like you had every section mapped out like this is what I have to do speed wise or this is what I have to do yeah I definitely would uh, <laughs> say alright this is how fast I want to do this time trial you brought your engineer brain out and right because I would at the time I was drafting and sitting at a computer all day and I would and I knew the course super well so I would you know it's like okay if I want to uh, do this time um, I have to do this mile hour average and then I would just go out and do that yeah and in the meantime I would I would pass <laughs> I'd pass everybody on the course it was great um, and then also I would work and purposely work all all day and not leave early just so I could uh, be in a rush and get the, the adrenaline going of like holy shit I'm gonna miss my start time get a good warm up in and I would ride out there <laughs> as hard as I could on my time trial bike, backpack on, and uh, and yeah, so the time I got to the start, I was definitely warm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, if you give it a few minutes to spare, and then, then uh, jump right in, it's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And so, on your transition from, you know, being, trying to be a bike racer, and being a bike racer, to being one of the best mechanics I know and being a pro mechanic with the, you know, the pro riders and the pro ranks with all, you know, the greatest names of pro mechanics, you know, um, you know, how, how'd you transition into, into well, that? Well, at a certain point I realized like, you know, obviously when everybody's racing and they're young, like I was 19 yeah, yeah. or 20, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to be a pro. And at a certain point I realized that that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I kind of got discouraged with racing, and I, you know, I know I spent a year away from, like, the scene, I guess, but, uh, but still I had that love for the bike, and, uh, I think maybe I mountain biked in the meantime, or, or whatnot, and, um... Played some Wii Golf. Played some Wii Golf. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I've, actually I quit drafting, and, um, I started working on an outdoor st store because I needed somebody who can work on bikes, and I just happened to know how to do it. I was working at a bike shop, and, and I started working for William Cycling, and also another <laughs> bike shop in town that you know specialized in road bike stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and then work with working at Williams, uh, I kind of saw you know we were working with a lot of pros and you know a lot more elite racers and whatnot. And um, Keith wanted me to do a neutral a neutral support service for uh, NorCal and. Uh, he sent me to like a pro mechanic school basically that USA Cycling put on and when I was there I realized that oh I can really um, maybe kind of turn this into a career you know wrenching on bikes for, for teams or for events and, um, and so I, I kind of just fell into it like I, I fall into most things <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, you know you went on to work for you know Exergy Team Exergy and you know you made some awesome friendships there and like lifelong you know buddies that you you know call your own your own family almost yeah so um, my first year I worked with Williams um, 
we happened to sponsor Team Exergy out of Boise, Idaho. It was a new team, new professional team, not an elite, not, you know, it was a professional team. Like, yeah. people were getting paid actual, actual money. <laughs> and um, they, uh, Keith uh, lent me <laughs> to them for a few races. And uh, it was a super good group of dudes. Um, they're from Idaho, so they're kind of uh, kind of cowboy style, you know. They're and they're you know a little different and a lot of fun. And I naturally clicked with all those guys. And uh, the next year, they wanted me to quit working for Williams and move to Idaho and work for them full time, which I did. You fell in love with Idaho. And I fell in love with Idaho. That's a whole other story, but yeah. <laughs> so, as a as you were wrenching for pro teams and whatnot, did, are there any races that you like loved to mechanic at? Yes, um, Merco for one, since <laughs> Merco was it was like my home race. Like I like I've circle. done the race. I know the course. I never did well at the. Well, maybe I did no, well you once, did. Yeah. but I never won, and so naturally I took that same hunger that I had and I applied it to my wrenching. And uh, like I let the guys know, like, hey, like obviously they knew I'm gonna work on their bikes and their bikes are gonna be top notch. But I also let them know, like, all right, I got a personal relationship with this race, and it's very important that we we kick some ass yeah so yeah logan louder ended up winning right? logan yeah logan louder won the stage that um it was my favorite stage the last stage um, yeah and um you know we had still the team was all getting together and learning how to race with people with one another i think it was our first race of the year that year so you know we had some uh, some hiccups with some some equipment and you know rider responsibilities and relationships like every team has yeah, and, uh, but we got it figured out and but yeah we did win a stage and it pleased me greatly <laughs> uh, so now that you've you've been around a while you know you you raced then you pro wrenched you ended up back at williams um you know you kind of trained up bob a little bit as you watch races now are there any like fatal mistakes you see being made consistently by either racers or mechanics? Every single time I'm at a race, it's always woulda, shoulda, coulda done this. And uh, obviously when you're sitting inside a team car with uh, um, other racers or the director and you're at a race, you're getting some, you're getting some serious knowledge on tactics dropped on you and uh, just sitting around listening and seeing how a team actually works and functions um, you just you look at every local race every cat five four threes even sometimes with one twos like wow this is this is an amateur setup and um, and so like yeah these guys should be doing this so these guys should be doing that but of course it's easy to look from the outside and Right. You know, but uh, when you're in, yeah, you, you don't necessarily see all that stuff. But yeah, I see it all the time, and I see it with people's bikes, and um, that's yeah, that's kind of a given, I would say. Um, most most of the pro wrenches out there, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'd pick apart, but 
maybe there's an amateur mechanic out there that does something stupid. But uh, that's kind of part of the learning curve, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, and I've learned that, like, you take your certain, you know, working with a bunch of different people, you know, and working on the bikes and other people's bikes, and working on your own, and finding what, you know, what you, you know, what you like and how you like to do stuff, but you also, there's, there's the, what, there's the things that you don't change, you know, um, you know, there's certain people that have a certain way to doing this, and every other way is wrong, and, you know, sometimes there's multiple ways to do those things, but then there's some things where you're like, no, that's, that's amateur, that's, you know, you know. Bush league. Bush league, yes. As Ryan Pons would say. Yes. No, and, uh, so, since you've, grown from being a bike racer to being pro mechanic and being with ex-pros and directors and owners and, you know, all the different, you know, levels of stuff, you know, have your perspectives on bike racing changed and the, you know, the status of the sport, especially um, since you've grown since, you know, you grew up, you started bike racing in, you know, the dark period, you know, air quotes, you know. What do you mean by the? What do you mean by the? You know, like period? the, you know, oh. doping era. No, well, you know? I, yeah, I guess. Well, when I first started, it wasn't. It, it was still the tail. It, you know, it was still the light. Like we still, we all, we all yeah. believe Lance. Yeah, yeah, Still, yeah. when I was starting the race, um, and I guess I, you know, I don't have a lot of experience of doping, especially on the domestic level. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody on, on the team that I've been on has ever passed a, a doping test. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, every one of them are. Ch- no, uh, I'm sorry. Everyone. Yeah, no one's ever failed a doping test that I've seen. And, um, but just my. Uh, I think there's a there's a, a blog out there, or maybe somebody's Instagram handle that says, uh, like, pro or pro, pro cycling is like sausage. You know, once you see what it's made out of, you may or may not eat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was definitely part of the sausage, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I don't like to eat it so much. Um, I, you know, I definitely got burned out on on the, on the, you know, the travel and working with teams and all the different kinds of personalities. And um, I, not, I don't hate it. I definitely love to go and see a good bike race, especially when there's fighting. And you know some, some drama, rough, some drama, some controversy. That's good stuff right there. I like it. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then that's the other thing too. It's like I always felt like I was more of a, I was more of a bike racer, some kind of mechanic. You know, like I was like I'd always look at dude to use my tools. Um, I'd always get like mixed up with like the tactics of the race. Like I was the guy in the back of the car with like the scratch sheet and being like, oh, we gotta watch out for this dude. We gotta watch out for that guy. Like I got super probably super overly involved with yeah, yeah. with the actual bike racing and because I took it personal um, you know like obviously I worked on the bikes and made sure they were perfect because like that was my way That's of job. that was my job but that was my way of beating the other team uh, yeah like, all right I'm gonna this is I'm gonna beat the team by I'm gonna beat this team or that team by having wheels that are true and not gonna flat or you know bikes that shift perfectly every time that like that was my way of like sticking it to missile, you know, which wasn't really sticking it to anybody, but, um, but yeah, I got really involved with, with that part of the race, so if we, um, if we won, I felt, I felt like I won, 
and the high would be really high. But if we lost a race and, you know, I would I had emotional attachment, so my emotional level would be down. So, you know, it would go up and down, up and down. It was, a, you know, a crazy emotional roller coaster. And, um, you know, that's probably not the way to, to uh, be a mechanic. No, well even be a cyclist you know you can't let the highs be too high and you can't let the lows be too low yeah but you know, you know? but you got to enjoy the highs when you get them because you don't know when you're going to get them again yeah winds don't come uh every day you know so when that wind does come you know it feels good it feels so good and then uh, yeah but losing feels really bad especially <laughs> when you know you can win when you have a sprinter on your team oh i you're getting too excited. Getting too excited. When you have a sprinter on your team, you know, this guy's the fastest guy around. And people fear him. We should win this. There's no reason why we're, we can't win this race. Yeah. No reason why we can't win this race. And when you yeah. don't win, and you're like, oh, oh, damn, that sucked. It's, a trash can is going to get ruined. <laughs> a trash can is going to get ruined. Yeah, you know, and um, like working with all the different personalities you know, in the cycling, in the world, since you've been, you know, from the amateur ranks, from every level all the way up to the pros, do you find a certain personality that works, you know, better once once you get to the top or near the top? Yeah, def you... definitely the guy who chills the most. The more you wig out, the more you're nervous, the probably the worst you're going to do. Not saying that guys like that aren't successful, because yeah, there yeah. are some dudes. No, there's always that, you know, but there's always another. The strongest, best guy on the team was also the most chillest dude, and probably easiest to hang out with. Um, it, it, there's the fire. There's that fire we were freaking out about, yeah. There's the fire. There's a fire on the highway. <laughs> there's smoke. It's smoldering now. Oh, I see some flame. I don't see any flame. <laughs> There was a fire yesterday, clearly. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, the guy who chills the most. Yeah, the guy who chilled the most was the most successful. And, uh, because, you know, it's probably because he was so confident. Yeah, he didn't need to worry about it. And, you know, that's a pretty damn good trait to have, is to be chill. Because if you're chill, then the people around you are going to... Yeah, they find, a, you know, a sense of security. You know, have they some security, like, yeah. Um, Carlos feels great. We're going to do good, you know. That yeah. makes, makes you chill. No, definitely, so. like... Like on the team now at the Williams Elite team, it's it's really awesome to race with those guys because we have you know we have that trump card. We have we have Josh Carling who any local race he can win no matter what it is, you know. And so that makes that makes all the rest of us that makes our lives easier. And for for yeah. sure, yeah. Josh Carling I would say is pretty chill before a race. He's not leaving no, yeah. out. No, he's, he's not looking for a espresso or a Red Bull. And you know he's like not freaking out because he because yeah, he can't calm. find his socks. Yeah, he's calm, yeah. cool, collected all the time. You know, and um, and like it's really nice. Even in the race, you never you never see a panicked look on his face. And you know he may be freaking out, but he'll never show it. And you know when I get into a race and you know we need somebody in the break and we still want to get a result, you know. I'm not worried about having saving some for the field sprint later. You know, I can go out there and sell out to a break that I know I can win in, and you know, you know, just go for it. 
So, you know, having that is definitely a key to having a successful, you know, well um, team that can, you know, perform well. Perform well. Bob and Josh go way back to when Bob was probably what held you when you started crashing on your couch. Ten? Well, no, 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 it goes no. even farther <laughs> yeah. than that. It was like right when we moved to Lodi when I was so like you eight. were eight. You guys go back a number of years, and Josh is kind of more like, than wow, more than more than a decade. Wow, that's <laughs> weird. Um, and Josh has been an ever-present kind of force in your cycling career hobby no even what just have you in general well yeah in your life too but like cycling specific is there anything like from the years of josh kind of quote unquote coaching you that you like learned anything incredible from or like wisdom you should pass on to I, others i wouldn't say he was a coach i know we like said it that way every once in a while or something but how it was, else do you describe it to non-cycling people true like it's hard to explain but he's always been like a brother you know like right he was he was always a family member before you know like a cycling coach or you know any or fishing partner you know just like yeah like I, I, had, I had a good grasp on training and what it took to be took to be fast and um but also, I knew that there was more to the to the equation. To yeah, there's that. more than just being a bike racer. There's more just like life be, than be, you know. Well, yeah, like being fast is is like a it's it's a part of bike racing, but it's not the big part. And the big part that I didn't have was like the brains, like knowing how to use your speed to win a bike yeah. race. Like I just I was so I was faster than anybody, <laughs> but I couldn't do anything with it. And so, what's the what worth is it? Besides winning a time trial now and again. <laughs> so is there anything, like, as you were starting to race, you know, you started with triathlons when you were really little and you kind of picked one of the three and went with racing. Is there anything you like, that, any advice you still use oh, consistently? Yes, my main mantra that I tell anyone in the sport coming up or even somebody that's been in the sport a long time and is asking me, you know, they're kind of lost or you know something it's like just have fun with it you know at the end of the day it's literally just a bike and you know like there's more things to be done other than bike racing and you know have fun with the bike you know don't just make it a chore or your job you know like have a passion for it have fun with it and you know do what you love and you know a lot of people just, they want to, a lot of, especially young kids and stuff, they don't see that. And like recently, well, throughout my, you know, junior years, everyone, there's a lot of guys that were super fast that you're like, man, these guys are going to be pro, you know, like they're going to be big time racing in Europe. We're going to see them on TV and they get to 15, they get to 17, 18 and, you know, they start to fizzle out. They're still faster than everybody, but they're not moving up outside of the juniors. And and then they, you know, they get burned out. And um, there's only three, four guys that I know that I've raced with basically my whole career that are still racing, you know, that I've raced with them since I was a junior, like 10 years old. There's maybe three. And so I think that's a huge thing and like I don't go out and do workouts that I don't 
Like, if I hate that workout and it makes me not want to ride my bike at all, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to go out today because I have to do that, then I'm not, that's stupid. You're not going to get any, if you do go out and do it, you're not going to get the same results from it, the same gains from it that you would if you did a workout that you enjoy. Maybe, you right. know, Bob, Bob's always been the kind of kid or dude or man. <laughs> he has a big, more beard than I have, so I guess he could say man. Um, he he's always been the kind of guy who used uses the race to train to um, like <laughs> every time every time you're about to say something profound it's, your it's, band it's kind of an excitement meter you know <laughs> excitement like, meter if we're starting to laugh a lot like when somebody says a funny joke or shares a yeah it's a, like a quickly good, creeps up to seventy five a good meme seventy five <laughs> uh, but yeah Bob's been the kind of guy who. Um, you know, kind of uses the race to train and also to gauge his fitness. Um, if he's not winning or if he's not at the front or can't be at the front, then obviously he's not fit enough. He wasn't looking at a power meter or a speedometer to tell him that. He was looking at the race results. And that's the that's what you're looking for if you want to be a good bike racer is the results. And so it's pretty, pretty basic, but yeah, it's like, oh, did I win today? No. Okay. Was I in the top three, top ten? Was I at the front? Did I get tired? Yeah. Yeah, I got tired. Oh, okay, I'm not fit enough. Let me ride harder. Yeah. You know, and, or, uh, and or it's rest, for him. You know? Obviously, like, that's not going to work for everybody. No, like I haven't ridden with a or a computer in general in over two years, and some people, most people, look at me like I am insane. Like, dude, how do you know you're doing anything? Yeah. Right. Like, well, no, I'm no, podium, Strava, so. no Strava. No Strava. Nobody wants to say, oh, I'm the best at Facebook. <laughs> Who says that? True. No. I want to win at Instagram. No. Strava's not real, people. <laughs> <laughs> but now we know Josh's opinion on Strava. Get out and look at your competitor in the eye. <laughs> go, fight, no. go fight him after the race. And that's why, like, when I was on a, a juniors team, that we had a team coach. Um, and he wanted us to all do really structured training. And I understand that. And, like, from a coach's perspective, like, structure is how you gauge, you know, how somebody's doing. And, like, if something's... And it's easy to eliminate something that's not working or add something that might work, you know? And, like, I get that. And I understand that, you know? But also, for me, it was doing those structured workouts and everything, I just had a really hard time um, motivating myself to do go out and ride three hours with... Maybe 3.25 hours? Yeah, exactly. Um, with, you know, some very structured intervals in there. And it's not a lack of, you know, discipline or anything. It's just, that's not how my mind works. I'd rather go out and just, like, punish myself against a bunch of other dudes on a race ride and just get all of it out there just destroy myself at the end of the day I'm like man that was fun like I love just you know I love taking up a sword against another man you know that's Joshism right there it's a stick um, picking up sticks against another man yeah that's why um, Josh won't race his bike anymore. I don't want to pick up sticks against another man anymore. you know like I love I love the competitiveness and like it makes me go harder like I'll never go as hard in training as I ever will in a race or even a race ride. I've gotten to the end of a race ride or and just sat on a corner, leaned up against a stop sign, like 
holy crap, that was awesome and fun. I'm dying and dead. I'm gonna die. Um, but that was awesome and fun. And you know, it works for me. So, um, going back to like, you know, you, you guys essentially for the last 10 years or, or more growing up together. Earlier we mentioned Josh, you know, falling in love with Boise a number of years ago. So we're on our way back from Boise right now from the 2017 Twilight Crit. So like, I know this isn't the first time you've raced this, Bob, but this is the first time you've done the pro race. So but from both of you, Josh, what was it like for you to sit there and watch Bob, who you've essentially like helped become who he is as a racer, race in one of your favorite races as a pro? Like, what was that like? It's, um, it was definitely pretty cool. I wasn't know, actually I didn't know what to expect. Like, obviously I have this opinion of Bob in my head and like I see him race locally and I see him like, you know, pretty much do what he wants in the race. But that's against like the local scene, which is an amazing scene for sure. But it's like, how is he going to do against the blue train and rally and these dudes who race professionally day in, day out? And um, like, I'm not sure how he's going to react against that. Because I know, um, you know, the Twilight is one of those races as, it's as fast as it gets, you know. Um, it's Average in, is 30. It's in July. People have been, been training all year. They're fit. And, uh, you know, everybody in the current has something to prove. So it's like, how is Bob going to stack up against these guys? And um, so I'm with my friends in, like, the first corner. And, like, I admit I probably didn't watch the first few laps. Like, I, I still get some nerves. Um, you know, obviously I want Bob to do well. Um, but I'm not sure. And here he is. He's, oh, Bob's in the front. Close to the front. As, as close as they allow him to be. Oh, he's there again. Oh, he's, oh, he doesn't have that weird... Um, like, I know when Bob's suffering, I don't... <laughs> I, know, I know when Bob's suffering, and I don't want to, like, give give, give away what he, that, his look, but I didn't see that look once, the whole race. Granted, I seen him for about two seconds per lap, and I probably missed half the race, because I was at the beer garden or something, but... Uh, Wow, that's gonna be really annoying. Hey man, those trucks are hauling, so that's I gonna, don't blame you. That's, that's gonna not... be really annoying. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and so yeah, here he is. He survives this race, and not only is he survive, he's not surviving. He's he's sitting in and he's like waiting to do something, like waiting for the right moment. And uh, obviously, it's like he knows. I can tell he's not um, just out there to screw around and do random stupid attacks. Um, but yeah, he like he wins a preem. Um, he gets 11th place. 11th. Like, I know dudes who are former pros who are, like, the stragglers on the back of that race. And your Bob comes in and he, he holds his own. Nobody fights him or wanted to fight him. And, um, yeah, I was, I was incredibly impressed. Incredibly impressed. Like, I didn't get emotional, like, during <laughs> the race or anything. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a proud moment for sure. You know, going into it, I haven't been nervous for a race probably since January of last year when I was Cat 3 trying to, you know, figure out bike racing. Like, I, I knew I had the legs and I knew 
I knew the formula that had to happen. It was just making those decisions in the moment. Like, and I won that first race of the year, that year. And then after that, you know, all the things clicked and I figured out training and, you know, how much rest I need. And, um, you know, and like, that was a, I stopped being nervous for races after that. And so coming into this, I'm like, man, I set a pretty big goal to try to get a top 10. And, you know, I was like, I didn't know what to expect. I knew all, I've raced with the rally guys before. They've come and done NorCal races and destroyed us all, made us all look silly. And I was just like, man, you know, what if there's more than one team like that? So I was, I was pretty nervous. And I set a pretty big goal that I thought was achievable, but it was a big goal. And, um, you know, I had a teammate. I had Josh Carling there, you know. He's always, you know, he keeps you level-headed, you know. And, you know, I jumped in it and started first five laps. I was, I was at home. It was, it was fast and furious and crazy, but I was... Rest in peace, Paul Walker. <laughs> Damn it, Josh. <laughs> we listen to podcasts all the time, and people are always making jokes, and they're laughing. That was great. No, that's I great. Throw, I, I love a joke it. In there. There's, love there's, it. There's no memes in the podcast. As long as you don't throw any Arl Not references in here, we're good. <laughs> we'll talk about flesh later. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but you know, I jumped in there and felt right at home, and um, was able to, you know, post zeros. You know, that was that was one of my things. I got in there and was like, if I can pedal. Like, if I don't have to pedal, I'm not going to. I'm going to save all that energy and save it up and see if I can, you know, make something happen at any point during the race. And, you know, I started, you know, doing the mini tail gunning. You know, people start to hit the brakes or freewheel. I don't hit the brakes and I just, you know, kind of go into the back of them, get kind of danger close, but, and then go through the corner and I didn't have to accelerate. I just, you know, stayed the same. And, you know, I got to a certain point where I was near the front. I heard the preem bell. And I was like, you know what? I think I've got, I think I've got some energy for this. And, you know, dove underneath some guys that were running out of gas, like right on the front. And opened up, you know, like a 20 second gap and got the preem. And was so surprised. And when I was off the front, it was kind of just like, it was so crazy to be there just this wall of noise following you through the whole course you know thousands of cowbells ringing people screaming and you know it was just crazy because I've never had a race like that where I'm like whoa like all these people are here freaking out because I'm racing my bike and then you know I'm like that's what kind of one of the moments where I was like oh you have to get your head back in this like this is a race like <laughs> remember you're racing you know and then like it got to the last 20 minutes when silence hit the front and I was like I started to see them you know ride by me and I'm like oh geez like I better I better get my I better get my shit together and you know get up there and battle and I went straight up to the front you know 
I had all the pros yelling at me, you know, to get out of the way. But I was just, you know, trying to stay, stay out of the scrum behind. I know the guys in the very front know what they're doing, and they're not gonna, <laughs> they're not gonna do anything stupid as long as I'm not doing anything stupid, you know. So, and then probably five to go. I was sitting there battling for wheels on the back of their trains, like with all the people that didn't have teams. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm in one of the Williams Brothers videos right now, which I was because, you know, <laughs> I'm racing with them at that point in time. But I was just like, it was just kind of like a surreal moment where I was just like, whoa, like, this is, this is so cool, you know? And then, you know, I had to snap back and be like, oh, hey, like you're racing your bike. Don't get distracted, you know? And then there was a crash with, you know, eight to go or whatever, and chaos there and everything. But then I got to the last, the last three laps and was like, whoa, I'm in here. Like, I'm in this race. And, you know, there's a few things I could have changed, you know, but I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, be like, oh, I, I should have done this. You know, it's racing, you know, and you have to make those split second decisions. And if I was, you know, four or five more spots up, yeah, I would have been there. But that's also where the pros were, you know, that's why those guys are pros. They're there. And so it's something to look going into like San Rafael or something like I can change that. I can use that different. And so I think I almost met my goal, you know, 11th, one place, but, um, yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience, and I can't wait to do it again, and it was, it was really cool to see, see me against the guys that get paid to do it, and actually, you know, holding my own, for the most part, actually, you know, actually holding my own, and so, I'm proud of, you know, being in there, and not just sitting in, holding on, and, and then getting 10th, like, I actually went out there and rode, you know, off the front, so you know it was awesome. Well, you, you just don't get tanked accidentally in a race like that either. You gotta cut it. You gotta try a little bit. So yeah, a lot bit. That hurt. A lot bit. <laughs> that hurt. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's good. And, uh, yeah, it was just an awesome trip. I love Boise. That that race is just a cool freaking race, man. Yeah, it's a cool town, and you know the races. Um... Can't talk about Boise too much, Josh. You'll get excited. The races, you know, the problem is that well, normally if I drive, um, I concentrate on the speed. Yeah, you sit there. Concentrate on the road. Now I'm just talking, and god damn, we're almost in California. I <laughs> know. <laughs> We've been in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, for ever. Yes. There's lots of sage, and lots sand. of sky, and it's yeah sand. I don't like I don't like sand. It's so coarse. It's so coarse. It gets everywhere. <laughs> That's his quote. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But anyways, Boise's cool. Boise's a cool town. Um, it's like my second hometown. I got like practical family. There are people that I've met through bike racing. Um, that are that are family. There's no doubt about it, and um, I get to see them a few times a year. And at twilight is 
one of those one of those times. And um, so when I'm there, I like the bike races. <laughs> the bike race is kind of secondary. Like obviously, I go to the watch and hang out, but uh, it's more about seeing my friends, um, getting some. I actually rode, ride my road bike when I'm in Boise. Yeah, that's a, a uh, that's a rarity. I rode my road bike. I kept telling everyone back home um, in California, like you know, we all hang out at the coffee shop and, and whatever. And, and everyone asked me why I was so excited for this trip, and I was like, you guys, I know for a fact, Boise Josh is a completely different Josh, and I'm so excited to experience it. Like, it's a whole new world. Right. When I'm home, I. Um, you know, I have my routine where it's like I'm working, I work out, I, like I'm, I try to be a good boy, I don't drink, plus or minus. <laughs> um, and uh, like I got my niece and nephew, so I kind of have some hashtag almost parenting kind of going on sometimes. But, uh, but when I'm in Idaho, it's definitely, um, it's like my ideal self <laughs> I see when I'm in Idaho. like. Oh, I'm gonna ru I ride my bike everywhere, my mountain bike, I drink. There's a lot of dancing there, even though I didn't get I didn't go out any this this time. <laughs> um, you know, it's a good town. Yeah. Fun stuff. No, it's a cool place and you know, you've got everything you could ever want, you know, like fishing, hunting. Except for the ocean. Well, there are, people, your there are people surfing in town. Yes, that is true. Yes, but they're surfing in a river they and are, not an ocean. They are surfing in a sharkless environment. <laughs> yes, but it's still Kelpless not an ocean. also. There's no kelps. <laughs> it's still not an ocean. I know. That's almost We'll save this debate for later. <laughs> going, going, you know, to the future of cycling, what do you... What do you see the status of cycling currently versus, you know, five, ten years ago? And where do you see it going? Where the direction, you know, you can say locally since that's where you're, you know, involved mostly right now. Yeah, sort of. Even though I, I try to hide. I know you I do, but I, I know you, you get drawn to it, I know. Um, it's definitely, uh, I would say the scene has shrunk a lot from what I used to be used to. Like, I don't see it going any lower uh -huh. than where it's at now. Um, this is not based off any science or anything, but <laughs> I would say it's pretty low. Like, I think, you know, I've seen the, the Twilight with, like, 120 starters before. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's... I don't know how many people started the race this year. You know, 60. 60, which is maybe. all you really need, but... Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like the ladies' field was a little small. Yeah. And uh, but it's hard. I get it. You know, there's not a lot of money out there. Um, there's not a lot of money to spend on cycling. And um, it's tough just to go to Idaho randomly and go race the bike. But but at one point it was done and everybody was doing it. So um, yeah, you know, we, there's a lot of uh, diversity in cycling right now too. More than more than years road. past. No, I'm just saying more. Like if you look at the '80s. There's like three, four ways to ride your bike, maybe five. Yeah, like yeah, you could just be a random person and just cruise. There was road racing. There was no mountain biking, maybe a little. Yeah, there's Start, a little. Just starting to come. Starting to come around, and uh, you know, like BMX. But now 
there's like 10 different kinds of BMX rig riding. There's, and then the road, it, it, you have- amount of mountain biking. Yeah, there's like how many mountain bikes, all kinds of different Event, events now. And ro- even the road is um, road racing. Gravel grinding. You got this gravel grinding thing. You got this Grand Fondo deal. Um, yeah. You know, so things are a lot more diversified. And, you know, not everybody wants to pick a stick up against another man. So. And then you got people on Strava who uh, just want to race re- virtually. Race virtually. And that's okay. I, I'll, <laughs> I might make fun of it or whatever. But. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's gonna sort itself out, you know. And then uh, you got a bike a bike industry that wants to change stuff around every year. Yeah. They want to go from ten to eleven to sixty-eight speeds and have disc brakes and electronic this and that. So people are just spending money on different things and yeah, you know, it'll all work out someday. Yeah, and we just got done listening to. I've got you hooked, or well, not hooked. We've been in a car, locked in a car together for yeah. Hours. Bob likes to do this thing on like more than six-hour road trips where he's like, "Let's just listen to podcasts for twelve hours." Well, sometimes that's fun. I do the same thing, um, but I just listen to different podcasts. Yeah, you Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, you're my boy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll listen to this. Yeah, he might listen, and uh, yeah, and that's fine, you know. That's, yeah, so we've been listening. On this trip specifically, the Faster Days podcast, and he's super about crits, and you know, not saying that it's the only thing that should happen, but it maybe you know it should be its own thing or um, have its own league or governing body, or you know, he talks about that all the time. And I don't know your thoughts, but um, on like making the sport better or more distinct, or maybe making you know, giving America its own cycling identity instead of trying to emulate Europe or, you know, something like that. You know? Yeah, right. I I think that, uh, that like, obviously the crit scene is where, where it's at mostly in, uh, in the States. You go to a bike race, you go to Redlands. Um, everybody's watching the crit. Um, maybe the sunset stage, but, you know, nobody's out in the middle of nowhere watching attacks on, on, on Beaumont or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, they're super spectator-friendly, and there's a lot more money involved with the crits, and um, will it turn into its own thing someday? Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to... I think it's hard to separate the crits from the road races, especially. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of crits around the country that are standalone, um, and they can all unite and be in this league or whatever, but you're going to have guys who race crits who also need to be at a stage also be at a stage race because uh, it's going to be important for them to race a crit that happens to be in the middle of like Cascade or, or whatnot so um, I don't know how that's going to separate or if it should or I don't have any strong opinions on it I think if you really want to uh, like pose a question like that like put it on Roman Dylan's Facebook page and, yeah. and see where it takes off. <laughs> see where it goes. There's a lot of good discussion on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, where do you see, like, how could you, well, not you specifically, but like, where would you want to see a change in the sport that's something that you see is not quite right or you think could be made better? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Where do you start? There's all, there are all, there's a lot of issues with everything. Yeah. For one thing, um, and I don't know if cycling is high on the priority list in my <laughs> head. Like, we got a country with people who that are running it that are, may not be so qualified, um, and you know, yeah, our public lands are being taken from us. And there's not a lot enough vegan options at Chili's. <laughs> oh my god! But 